it's not all glamour, is it? You know, sometimes you put your clothes inside and you're halfway in the shop with no bra on and you just, you just gotta go with it. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. This week's episode is sponsored by Treatwell, the brighter way to book hair and beauty. Using Treatwell is simple and easy. You can browse online or on the app to find a salon or spa near you and to book a treatment 24-7. Treatwell has over 22,000 salons across Europe. So whenever you need an appointment, no matter what time, your busy schedule, where you are, what budget, what location, you can scroll through Treatwell's thousands of reviews to help you pick the best place for you. I've partnered with Treatwell to launch their newest campaign, The Mindful Manny. The Mindful Manny is all about heading to the salon for a manicure, but also taking some time for yourself, time out to switch off. They've worked with chartered psychologist and self-care expert Susie Redding on this initiative. Download the Treatwell app or head to treatwell.co.uk to book your treatment now. I had my Mindful Manny last week and I can honestly tell you that it was fabulous. So last week, Treatwell and I hosted a live recording of the Power Hour podcast in central London in their head offices. I was joined by the wonderful Susie Redding and the lovely Callie Thorpe. So here is the recording from last week's event. Enjoy. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, I normally do the intro, so it's nice to have an intro for me. So thanks everyone so much for coming. Thank you Treatwell for hosting us in this space. I haven't yet had my nails done, but I'm hoping to get them done at the end. And it's just nice to see everyone's faces, you know, to see a face back, to actually really connect and to be in the room and in the space. So you know I appreciate time a lot. I really appreciate you all giving up your time and coming here tonight. So thanks. Uh, Where am I? I do have a script, which I'm going to try and stick to because otherwise it might be a power two hours. Um, so how many of you, by show of hands, already know about Treatwell, have heard of Treatwell, or have ever used Treatwell before? Oh my gosh, amazing. You see? I was going to go on about this and this, and it's, but you already know. It's literally a game changer. If you don't know, and if you haven't already, then please do download the app, and don't just leave it on like four, near page four. Sc- grab that, drag and drop to the front page to give yourself a little reminder that it's actually there, you know, like it's important, and that, yeah, you should just treat yourself every now and again. So tonight I am going to be recording a live episode, as you know, and I'm mega happy to be partnering with Treatwell around this Mindful Manny campaign. I think often when I speak to women about the power hour, about the concept of like taking time for yourself, you know, self-care, it kind of just, I don't know, the, the, the response I often get is that it seems kind of selfish or, you know, it's like, It doesn't feel natural to be like, yeah, take all this time for yourself, especially as women, I think, because we give to so many people and we give so much of our time, whether that's to 
colleagues, friends, work, kids, commitments, you know? So yeah, I do think it's really important, this whole campaign around mindful manners. I think mindfulness as well often gets put into a box of like, you have to meditate, you have to close your eyes, you have to be still, you have to be quiet. None of those things resonate with me. But I think that actually mindfulness can be, yeah, just 30 minutes, turn off your phone, get your nails done and just chill. That can be mindful. So yeah, I'm gonna, like I said, practice what I preach and join the queue at the end. So let's introduce the guests. So today I'm joined by two wonderful, wonderful women. One of which is Susie Redding. She is a psychologist, she's a yoga teacher, and she's a health and fitness pro. And the other is Callie Thorpe. And she is a model, a social media influencer, a writer, and the founder of The Confidence Corner. So please join me in welcoming both of them to the stage. Come on up. Hiya. How are you doing? Carrying my bag, guys, got my mic in it. So you both look so like you both look so bright and beautiful. Yeah. I'm loving it because I feel, if I'm honest, guys, I am mourning the summer. I am oh, this course. week. I know. Who else is? No. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's it's October. Nobody panic. Um, <laughs> but here we are. So thank you so much for joining us. So. First, I'm going to kick it off with you, Susie. Sure. Susie, you are the author of The Little Book of Self-Care, and self-care has become a very hot topic over the last year or two. So can you tell us a bit more about the book and also break down for us what do you believe self-care is actually all about? Okay. Um, so the, the first book I wrote was called The Self-Care Revolution, and that was all about defining the concept and talking about why we need it. Mm -hmm. I read another little book in between that, Stand Tall Like a Mountain, that was about self-care practices for kids and for families to make it accessible for parents. And then the little book of self-care I felt was an opportunity to address some of the, the, the comments that I was hearing about self-care that came out since the first book. And it was about trying to break down this notion of, of guilt, guilt about engaging in it, but also people feeling guilty for not doing it. Yeah, and the, the last thing I want is for people to feel like, oh my God, it's another thing I have to do. I'm failing at that as well. That's the last thing I want to convey. Yeah. So the little book of self-care was all about making self-care accessible mm -hmm. in ways that don't take a lot of time, don't take a lot of energy, don't take a lot of funds. And really it was helping people get clear on what self-care is. Mm -hmm. Because we all nod in agreement about, yeah, it's important, but it's nebulous. <laughs> it's a bit wishy-washy for a lot of people. So let's get crystal clear. Self-care is healthcare. Okay. It's nourishment for the head, the heart and the body. It nurtures you in this moment and it lovingly tends to the person that you'll be coming. That's true self-care. So one thing I want to touch on that you said then, actually, you said something about, um, I don't know the word you used, but it was around cost, you know, saying like funds. You said it doesn't need funds. I think that's incredibly important. If I'm honest, I think that when I look at a lot of the way uh, media portrays uh, mindfulness self-care practices. I often think that I'm very fortunate and very privileged to be in the position that I am. I'm sure many of us are. We're in central London. We might have disposable income. We might be in a socioeconomic situation to be able to say, okay, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. However, I sometimes think if you're not in that situation, you know, like um, my mum was a single mum raising four children, you know, she had limited funds. And actually, I think the mindfulness, wellness, sometimes space comes with an expensive price tag, you know? Like it's portrayed in that way that it looks expensive and glossy and not accessible. So yeah, how can we, what are some things that we can do that are free? And how can we kind of make it accessible to everyone regardless of where they live or how much money they have? I love this question. Um, first and foremost, 
we can turn to the body because the body has such an incredible wisdom to it. If we listen to what our bodies are asking for, it's either going to be something like movement, rest, nutrition, hydration, sleep, connection, time in nature. Now, none of those things apart from food cost anything. Mm. You know, for people that say to me, I can't afford self-care, I'll say, okay, can you have a cuddle? Yeah, can you utter a kind word to yourself? Can you be with your breath for 60 seconds? Can you stand tall and release tension from your day with a couple of chicken wing shoulder rolls? Yeah, we can all do that kind of stuff. And it's potent. Mm. And it's not only free, but it's also stuff that doesn't take a lot of time. So we can literally just dot these things through our day as little mood alchemists. And they cumulatively cumulatively makes such a big difference. Yeah, for sure. And so also I think self-care and mindfulness get clubbed into the same box, but are they the same thing or are they two different things? Okay, I think they are beautifully entwined. Yeah. So self-care is healthcare. Mindfulness in itself is a self-care activity. Okay, mm -hmm. so mindfulness, let's define that. Mindfulness is paying attention to the present moment what's unfolding outside of you, but also what's happening within you without judgment, okay? okay? So that skill is a potent coping strategy because it allows you to navigate big emotions, stressful experiences, to step back to consider how it is that you want to respond and okay. take action in service of your values. So how do we actually get clear on what it is that we need? Mm. So mindfulness is pivotal to bringing self-care to life as well as being a self-care practice. So that's why it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, I think it is confusing, but also, as you said, it can seem quite wishy-washy. And like, I think I'm someone who, I'm quite a statistical person. I like facts, I like figures, I like data. So I think when things seem like, you know, yeah, just a bit like whimsical, I'm like, really? You know, I'm quite like skeptical, but I do appreciate how important this all is. And essentially, I think maybe, myself in the last few years have really started to invest more into going, okay, yeah, how do I feel? How did I feel before? That's one thing I like yeah. to do is before and after. So it's like, how did I feel before doing that? And how did I feel after? And actually stopping, even if it's just for a minute, yeah. to make note of it and be like, I felt like this before and I felt like this after, for better or for worse. So yeah. Callie, bring it on to you. So I talk a lot on the Power Hour about time and the concept of time. And I believe that we need to all be you know, very aware of it. How we spend it's very important. You are a busy woman. You have lots of projects on the go, lots of things, busy schedule. So two questions really in one. How do you cultivate time for yourself? How do you take time out to recharge when you're busy? But also how do you say no and like make that time? Because often I think it's hard to say no even when you know that you need to. Yeah. You know, I, have a, I, I think because I work in an industry where I have my fingers in lots of pies, where I do lots of different things, I actually am doing a lot more travel. So I've been struggling a bit trying to take care of myself with kind of managing being away so much. I, this year alone, I've done a trip to India, Mauritius, South Africa, New York, LA, Mexico. <laughs> Sounds awful. Amazing. But I think when you, it's so funny because it's, it's weird, but I've really craved routine. And when it comes to looking after myself, one thing that I find is so important for me is a little bit of routine. I actually like to like get up at a certain time or um, have breakfast. Sometimes I like to have the same breakfast every day. Like just, I don't know, it just feels like kind of important for me to, to kind of get that. And I like love going to my farmer's market on Sunday. And like when I've been away from it, it's so weird to be like in Mexico being like, I really want to go to my local Walthamstow farmer's market. But <laughs> I do really like love doing stuff like that. And I think the saying no thing, I was speaking about this the other day. I 
am awful at saying no. I, I get like 99 plus inbox messages a day. A lot of the work that I do is around body positivity, self-love, self-care as well. Um, so I get a lot of messages from women, um, a lot of specifically plus-size women that write to me and say, I'm struggling with my body image. Um, I don't love myself. I don't think my partner loves me. I want to lose weight or I, I have an eating disorder. So I take a lot of that on. Um, it's really hard to kind of manage taking care of other people whilst also trying to take care of myself. Um, and sometimes a way that I manage that is is like taking a little, like doing a little Insta story, being like, guys, I'm going to switch my Insta DMs off because I can't get back to everybody. And I, I feel so deeply guilty, like I'm letting someone down. But I think the most important thing is when you think about self-care and taking care of yourself, it's the way I think about it is when you're on a flight, they tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And I think that's so important because if you take care of yourself first, then you have so much to give and so much love to offer to other people. If you don't look after yourself, then what can you really offer to other people? It's like, you just got to be at your best to give the best to other people. Yes, I love that. I love that. And I actually had a question for you coming up oh, about sorry. social. No, it's perfect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about social media, because, you know, I think social media gets quite a bad rep. Yeah. And people ask me um, sometimes when I'm sitting on that side, when I'm on the panel and they'll say, oh, social media, social media. And it's always a negative question, negative connotation. And me, Mrs. Positive Pants, I'm always the one spinning it around and being like, you know what? There's great things happening online. There can be some incredible communities, some amazing voices. There's diversity. We all have a say. And I'm like, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have this platform. I wouldn't be having this conversation if I hadn't utilized, you know, social media and built a community on there. So for you, you know, you have this huge following and you have, you know, as you said, you reply to people, your comments, you have to look at, you know, it is a two way, you know, a community. So that is something I wanted to, to talk to you about is like, how do you manage that? Obviously there's highs and lows. And yeah, I guess, do you have any kind of hard lines or any rules around social media? I think the thing with me being online is that because I am plus size and it's weird to always, I, it's so weird because I, I understand, I hate labels, but I know that I'm labelled. When people look at me, they, they would see me as a plus size woman. When I work with brands, I'm seen as that. So it can be quite tricky because I'm doubt, when I work online and when I work with brands, I can deal, I can have to deal with a lot of abuse online because of my size, which is really tricky to navigate. But I've found kind of ways to manage that because I think ultimately in life, what I've come to learn after many years of having to go through quite painful experiences to get to this point is that people will always not like you. Like there's always gonna be something that you do, you're always something you say, like not everyone can be for everyone. So that's, that's the first thing, like, Try not to give so much of yourself to try and mold yourself to be something for everybody's never going to work in your work life, in your home life, anything like you have to, it's always give and take. And one thing I kind of managed around that was like, how can I stop taking on all of this kind of heavy stuff people are saying to me, you know, kind of quite dark stuff like people would say, oh, I don't like you promoting your size, you're promoting obesity and this and that. And it was really hard for me to be on the side of that because I care so much about people's well-being and I care about my own. So it's like hard to have people reflect that feeling on me. So I was like, how can I fix this? So I kind of, you know, after some self-reflection and having, you know, experienced some quite awful online trolling experiences, I decided to utilize the social media tools that are available for me. So I have a mass, I'm not joking girls, I have a massive list of like every awful word you can think about in my comments block section. No, I, like I don't, I don't see half of what people say to me anymore because I don't let myself. Because I cannot, 
if I take that on, I like won't get out of bed. Like it's not good for anyone to kind of let themselves into it. But I think, like you said, it's so important to remember that the other side of social media is there's so much positivity out there. And what I do and what I and who I talk to, I guess so much back. Like there's nothing I love more than having a nice chat with someone, like a, a woman that tells me they've never taken their kids swimming before, never put a swimsuit on, but they decided because they've seen someone like my size in a swimsuit on holiday that they now take their kids swimming. And I think it's so important to like, you know, manage your expectations, your expectations of other people and the same way, expect that people are gonna do that for you as well. And just make sure that whatever platform you have whatever so if you use social media that you curate that for you so if someone is not making you feel good unfollow them um be kind to others expect kindness back and just kind of like give yourself some grind rules on how you use social media i think hmm. yeah well like off tangent um, then I no did. no it's wonderful honestly oh. thank you for sharing and for being so candid and wonderful as you always are on behalf of everybody i mean i'm sure everyone who follows you if you don't follow cali then of course thank you God. do but like you just are so wonderful online i'm sure everyone agrees you are like a breath of fresh air and sunshine and i think people are so grateful for you oh, and your so voice nice. and your energy so yeah i'm sorry that you've had to experience that but also I think you know yeah I don't think it's measurable actually the impact that it has for people because honestly words have power but also action yeah. when people see others you know like leading by example that is really powerful today I went out today I put on my Insta story that I went out to the shop to buy a tin of beans and I had my dungarees inside out <laughs> I literally walked out and I, and I was actually thinking like I'm gonna put this up because this has got to be impactful for someone to know that their life is I'm like it's not all glamour is it you know sometimes you put your clothes inside out and you're halfway in the shop with no bra on and you just you just gotta go with it so yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> okay Susie so when it comes to technology I think especially within wellness I think there's clearly pros and cons to having all of this tech that we now have in our lives so we can track our heart rate we can track our calories we can track our sleep we can track our breath we can track it all um, and I do think this as I said pros and cons but do you think that there is a time and a place for technology within wellness yeah absolutely and it, again it comes back to mindfulness doesn't mm -hmm. it it's an awareness of if I use this how is it affecting how I feel so I think knowledge and self-insight is incredibly empowering yeah but if you're tracking your sleep and then you start to get worried about how much sleep you have and then mm. it interferes with your sleep, then that's no longer a benefit. Yeah. If watching the number of steps you do motivates you to do more, if it makes you feel needled and you can't do those and then you feel guilty about it, then maybe take a break. So it's just observing, is this serving me in its current form? How could, it, how could I use it slightly differently mm. or do I need to take a break? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's definitely some. I don't know if you, show of hands in here, does anyone in here track their sleep? Yeah, anyone track their daily steps? Anyone track, what else do I say you can track? Uh, daily calories, things like Fitness Pal. Yeah, okay, yeah, I think I agree. I think that before we didn't have this data, I think the downside was that everything was kind of a generic one size fits all. Everybody do this, this much, this much time, and it doesn't work, you know, we're all personalized. So I think personalized data can be really powerful. But as you said, I feel like a lot of people feel that guilt. It's like a pressure, it's like another thing that they're not doing, you know? Mm. I think it's like another thing to, yeah, consider and to worry about, but I guess, well, mindfulness. I need to take it on board for sure.
to a confidence corner. I'm not going to say much about it. But um, yeah, inspiration, both personal and professional. Tell us all about it. So I actually started the comp. So there's another page on my Instagram, and also I've just started my own pod. That's why I call my coin the pod because I feel like I'm well cool. Like okay. the pod. <laughs> so that's why I call it the pod. It's like when did it launch? I know it launched. Actually, yeah. Well, no, not really. It's the second episode already, but it's launched last Wednesday, and yeah. the second episode was out today. And so the podcast is about confidence. Um, it was a, a part of what I started in 2016, which was a page called The Confidence Corner, where I explored the subject of confidence with a community. So I felt like, I don't know if anyone else has Instagram, but I sometimes get sick of my own voice and my own face. I can't be, I just can't be dealing with it. I'm just like, I need to just do something that is about other people. So I started this page at a time when I was kind of struggling with my own kind of body image again. It was just after I got married. I was about to go on my honeymoon. I was kind of in a bit of a tough place. So I thought like, how can I like twist this around and make this positive? So I made like a little community called The Confidence Corner. And the page is like for all different people to kind of talk about confidence. So it's like confidence in body image, confidence in motherhood, business, just every little aspect that we kind of don't ever think about. And I think it's such a buzzword confidence, but it just, it really is all about self-assurance and kind of, you know, knowing who you are as a person and being confident and, you know, putting that out to the world and I kind of wanted to specifically speak to women as well about it because you mentioned earlier with women we just feel like we have to do everything and be everything for everybody but it's like what makes us feel good like how can we you know how can we like look inwards and and see see what is what we are struggling with and being honest about that because I think confidence I I was not always body confident when I first started my my platform eight years ago, I was writing a diet diary trying to lose weight. So I was never, I, I, to think that eight years ago I hated myself and wouldn't even, I lived in exclusively black leggings, oversized t-shirts, I didn't like fashion, I didn't like style. I just wasn't, I just wasn't connected, I didn't feel, com I felt confident as a person but as in to chat but I just didn't feel very body confident. So I think everyone's on a journey, no one's born confident, it's something you learn it's something from friends, from family members. And like, I think it's so important, like I, the platform, I really wanted to be a community space. And then I was like, you know what, I, I want to take it off that platform. And that's how I've been chat. So now the podcast is where I interview people um, about confidence and what it means to them. Because some people don't believe, like they're like, oh, it's not even a thing. Some people really believe in it. And so, uh, yeah, this episode just launched yesterday was with an NHS doctor. And we were actually talking about wellness and well-being. Um, and uh, weight stigma issues and people that are kind of really overwhelmed with how much you just mentioned a second ago about how much kind of information like things we have to do and like how unhealthy we are and you know it's more about kind of toning it all back in like the bit like back looking at the bit back to basics yeah. like you said like just looking at the bit like how does this make me feel before and after I really like that it's like for me when I'm having a bad day, it's, it's got to be a duvet day with Grey's Anatomy, and I think I need a good cry. <laughs> like, I go have a good cry and a bath. I love I love having a bath with loads of salts and bubbles. And then it's like, you notice, you get in the bath, you feel stressed, the hot water's on you, you get out, you feel relaxed, and it helps you go to sleep early. Like, those little things, they're very simple. Putting Netflix on with a duvet, giving yourself a duvet day. Every company needs a duvet day, don't they? I mean, I need one. It's been a long time. You've got to give yourself, one. I mean, power hour over here. You've got to give yourself one hour with a duvet. I know, I definitely, you know what, as I said, maybe that's why I'm mourning the summer because yeah. the power hour, everyone always says to me, they're like, how do you do it? And I'm always like, come on, 
guys. And like this week I've been going, how do you do it? Because it's like dark and it's cold and it's the first time in a while that like 5.30, you can't even see me on my Instagram stories. I'm like, guys, it's past. Do you know what that is? The, do you not think though, as well, I was re- read this somewhere, but this is like the nature's way of telling us to chill out and it's like hibernation mode like it's time i still got stuff to do yeah do you know what (laughs) i just think so many things yeah you know but there's so much in what you're saying then i didn't want to interrupt you but going on to confidence you know you said about you used to be you didn't used to have body because that's the thing people see you now they might meet you now and it's like you're so vibrant so full of confidence you know it's like how did that change i'm sure it wasn't an overnight switch but when you described that girl Mm. who has always wore black you know you said you hated yourself that's a you know strong word and like if someone's listening to this and thinking you know what yeah that's me and that's great that she loves herself now and that's great that she but i actually don't how can they start to move the needle and start to that process. I think ultimately for me, I never saw myself represented by it anywhere. So when I was growing up, I, the only plus size woman I saw was Dawn French. And everyone else was in the media was, was like made fun of. So I just never felt represented. So it was almost like automatically ingrained in me that if, if I was bigger, that I was never going to be successful, that I was never going to be happy, that I was never going to find love. That is literally what I thought from such a young age. And I really struggled as a teenager with my weight. And I truly, honestly believed that that was like, until I physically lost weight, it was like, I imagined myself as like my body what I was, that I was going to unzip myself physically and that one day another body would come out and that would be the happy me. And I realised that that is never going to be a thing. Like, you can never... Even if you change yourself and you did all of the cosmetic surgery and the fillers and the, everything, weight loss, all of those things, those are external things you have to work internally. Like, what I learned about myself so much was I didn't... I hated myself because I took on the loads of the load of like society telling me that I wasn't good enough. And actually, when I paired it back and I started to make make my feeds and what I was reading more diverse, I stopped reading magazines like Heat magazine that t- tore apart women's bodies. You know, like celebrities, like tiny bit of cellulite. I was thinking, if they've got cellulite, then Jesus Christ, I like you know what I mean. So it's like you see all that, and then it's like you know, skinny shaming, fat shaming. It's just it's like everybody's bodies are dragged. I just thought, I just can't be dealing with this until I started diversifying my feeds, started reading more, um, like re, kind of re, getting involved in more like feminism, especially intersectional feminism. I realised that it doesn't matter, like I could drop dead tomorrow and would it matter if I look like what I look like? When I die, I want my family and friends to say, Callie had a great heart. She was kind, she was loving. I don't want people to say Callie was slim. Do you know what I mean? I just don't care about that. Yes. Amazing. So, yeah. You're amazing. Everyone's beautiful. I love it. Yes. Oh, I feel so good. <laughs> Callie, uh, sorry, Susie, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on confidence? And, and with, with regards to, I know you're a psychologist, personality traits, because people sometimes say to me, oh, but Adrian, you're a confident person, as if I was born, you know, it's like introvert, extrovert. But I do agree that I think it's something you work on and cultivate. So yeah. What would you think? Um, first, I, I, I love what Callie's just said about self-love. Can I just add something there? Please do. Um, I think self-love is something we all want to aspire to it, right? Mm -hmm. It can be a big leap to get there. I think a really lovely place to start, and this is part of our self-care toolkit, is with tenderness. Just be tender. Just coax. Just gently encourage. Just as you would a seedling. Yeah? If we can extend those same qualities to ourselves, 
you may be surprised what blossoms from that place of tenderness and self-compassion. So I think that's a lovely place to start on the road to self-love. Mm -hmm. And that can be as simple as a little ritual where you apply hand balm with care, where you mindfully feel the texture of it, you feel it sinking into your skin. It's the touch, the oxytocin that that releases. And you can do it for yourself. And from that sense of appreciation for you know, the, the skin that you are living in, mm. then I think more can grow. Yeah. And confidence is very similar. Um, I think it's, it's a felt sense. I think confidence is very much rooted in our cells and fibres. And what fascinates me is the research that is showing the link between how we hold our bodies mm. and how we feel. Our subjective energy levels, our mood, our sense of personal power, it's rooted in how we sit, how we stand, how we breathe, and obviously what we say to ourselves as well. Mm. So if you want to feel a little more confident, we're all doing it now, naturally. If you stand tall, now research has shown that if you sit like this, on this is like the gym, iPhone I feel like posture. That's got on it. And like, modern life, like by the end of the day, if you haven't lost your neck, I don't know what you've been doing. Because modern life draws us into that shape, whether it's phones or carrying kids or and computers the, the or super, driving. You know about the super woman pose? Yeah. That's actually that's a thing. It's real. If you Ancient stand yogi that, knowledge, right? Yeah, you stand in front of like that in front yeah. before you do anything. They say it gives yeah. you the same euphoric effect or something like yeah. confident power or something. That's it, because like it's that. tapping into upright, elongated spine, open heart, yeah? And naturally in that position, we can breathe better. And the mantra is when you breathe better, you feel better. Yeah. And instantly you feel more poised, more ready, more present yeah. and more powerful. I love yeah. It. yeah, I heard on the Jordan Harbinger podcast. I'm a podcast addict, by the way, like junkie. So if you ever need more podcasts, hit me. But yeah, Jordan Harbinger show, he talks about this doorway technique. So it's like a good practice because you go through so many doorways during the day. And he basically says for this exact thing about the stance and the confidence, he says every time you walk through a doorway, um, think shoulders back, chin up, smile. And you just start doing it. And he said, you're not going to remember every single time, but you might do it twice, three times, four times. But once it becomes a practice and a habit, every time he walks through a doorway, he now says to himself, shoulders back, chin up, smile. And he's like, you don't know, often when you go to an event or you might be working or you might be busy, you might be stressed, you might have just come out of the rain, whatever. You, you know, you don't always know how you're carrying yourself. And like when people see you for the first time, I know it's bad, but first impressions count, right? So they see you and they see that energy as you walk in, shoulders back, chin up, smile. And it can really, yes, shift your whole mood, shift your energy, shift the way people approach you, interact with you, the way you communicate. So, yeah, maybe um, try that one this week, the doorway technique from, from Jordan Harbinger. It's not mine. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to him. Uh, okay. And so, ladies, how does... Um, self-care fit in with your confidence. So personally, I know that it does boost my confidence when I've just had my hair done, when my brows are on fleek, when I feel like I look good. And it's not to say that like, you know, I certainly don't believe that women should be under any sort of pressure for, you know, to feel put together or this kind of like, I don't know, like conforming to Western beauty standards or like, trust me, it's a whole nother thing. But I do think that if it makes you feel good to put on a red lip or to like, I don't know, wear your fro out, like then do it because it makes you feel good regardless so yeah do you think that you yeah does it boost your confidence when you've just had a treatment absolutely yeah yes and I think some of the best self-care is using scent color touch wearing something you love whether it's a, 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 the texture of something or, or something that was given to you mm. by someone meaningful yeah so you feel wrapped up in love all day 
Absolutely. Fun. And really, nice. when you think about it, what, what that's doing is, is it's nourishing you. And self-care is energy management. How do you feel when you're topped up? We feel confident. We feel ready. How do we feel when we're depleted? Like, I don't want to leave the house. Absolutely. And I think it's so important to remember that feminism is about choice. And I think choosing to do things that make you feel good is so empowering. And like, for me, my signature lip is the one I'm wearing it's a coral red I wore it on my wedding day like my loads of people were like you can't wear a bright lip on wedding day it's all about the new bigger I was like absolutely not 100% need my red lip it's happening um and like I never like I said I never used to wear colour so I kind of like I don't I like I wear an all black now I still feel very you know stylish and all black and, and chic but I do think it's so important wearing colour makes me feel really like confident and stuff and I I do like love getting my nails done and like, although I'm a bit of an, I'm, this mindful money business is best for me because I'm a bit of a, let me just check my Instagram at the same time. I get told off, she's always like, can you just get off that? And I'm like there with the massage chair on like, trying to, trying to do the I'm relaxing. At the same time. I'm talking to Tokyo. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think it's so important and um, I'm like, I'm so like, I'm happy to be quite there. I'm extremely basic. I love doing like masks on Sunday, like yeah. having a bath, like doing the whole thing. Like I'm literally there, like 50 different treatments, oil. <laughs> like, Give me all I, of it. Have you tried those baby foot things? Anyone no, tried them? Oh no. my God. Wait, is it the bag? They're literally, I'm like, can you put my leg up like that? I was like, they're, they're basically like, they're Korean beauty skincare, but they're like, you put like this little baggie on, it's got like some sort of special acid stuff in it and then your, your feet peel away oh, it well, not grim. like it's, I mean it is grim but like also your feet feel absolutely incredible like chef's kisses when it's done um, and it's just the most amazing thing like I had me and Dan my husband doing it it's just like yeah sometimes you just need yeah Korean beauty I love it okay let's get into it <laughs> I mean I'm down also also when you said then about the color yeah. um, I interviewed Gina Martin on my I podcast do we know Gina Martin yes yeah. she's great and she she had a law passed I mean goals and yeah. she said that when she was in parliament like everyone's wearing black and grey and they're just like all boring people and she wore a Red. bright pink suit she said she was like a pink parliament power puff girl and I was like yes because she She's said you so know sick. people took her seriously she said um, her suit had flames on the legs and I was like yes yeah. because she was like yeah I'm not going to be a wallflower I'm not going to be quiet I'm not going to be silenced I'm here take notice love it love it color yeah okay so let's talk a little bit about the power hour this is a live power hour for anyone who has heard the power hour before who? Yes. Yay! Okay. Thanks. No, I wasn't asking you for that, but I just didn't want to like repeat what it is and what it's all about because everyone's like, "We know you get up early. Good for you." But I do. I get up early, and once I cultivated a morning routine and an hour for myself, it really was a game changer for my entire life, for my energy, for my relationships. I feel just I couldn't imagine not having it anymore so yeah, I'd love to talk to you about the power hour, and I guess Susie, I'm going to start with you to get kind of a more I guess the psychologist's perspective on does having a routine and specifically a morning routine is there like a science to kind of prove what I'm saying is right about like you know getting up but no seriously because when she you said the that, data. I need the data earlier. but you know you said when you travelled Callie that yeah. you missed routine yeah, I did. and um, I know that a lot of mental health practitioners also talk about if people can have routine it doesn't need to be a whole hour but if it's just maybe two or three steps that they do first just having things to follow can be a really like helpful framework so yeah what's the what's the science what's the tea do you know I, I think ritual gives shape and meaning to our lives so if you can start the day with that you are cooking with gas yeah 
the beauty is that ritual doesn't actually have to be for a very long period of time. And it doesn't actually have to be the same ritual every day. But as long as there's some kind of nourishing practice in there. So for me, if I were to get out of bed an hour earlier, I would probably be sacrificing my sleep needs. I need the sleep more than I need that before the kids get up. For me, though, there's always a nourishing ritual, and it'll be six mountain breaths, yoga mountain breaths, yeah? It'll be a little bit of scent, it'll be a mantra, yeah? Or it might be massaging my horns, or it might be just lying in bed and thinking about one thing I'm happily anticipating in my day, even if it's getting back into bed at the end of it, yeah? Mm -hmm. So there's always something that I start the day with a sense of connection, a sense of gratitude, a sense of savouring, and once that's done, it sets the tone. But also, if you think about the myriad of choices that you face in a day, this is about willpower deficit. It's about decision-making fatigue. Yeah? If you leave your nourishing practices for the end of the day and they're optional, are you going to do them? No. Explain to us, in case people listening don't know, what is decision fatigue? I've talked okay. about this before. So if you think about the plethora of choices you are faced with in your day, like it's thousands yeah, and by the end of it, like we've got, we, we just don't have enough willpower to help us make the good choice as often as we'd like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you are faced with those difficult decisions, do them in the morning when you've got more willpower yeah. to help you make the life-giving choice. Yeah, because yeah. by the end of the day, let's be honest, sometimes the true act of self-care is not the thing you actually feel like doing. Like the brain fade on the sofa is really alluring rather than the class you had scheduled or the journaling activity you wanted to do or the podcast you wanted to listen. You just want to zone out. Mm. Yeah. So if you've done that in the morning, you, it's, it, one, it's more likely to happen, but it also shapes the rest of your choices in your day. What I notice is if I exercise in the morning, I'm more likely to make healthy nutritional choices because I, I don't want to ruin what I've just done. Yeah. So there are lots and lots of different reasons why ritual gives us something to hang our hat on. And it's, it's kind of like if you think about all the non-negotiables in your day, like no one quibbles about brushing their teeth. We all shower. My son does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, true. Tell get me up about the stairs, it. brush those teeth. <laughs> so if we can make our nourishing practices like brushing our teeth, mm -hmm. you, know, you can piggyback them too. Yeah. So if you think about what is something that happens in your day every day and then piggyback something tender and kind onto the back of that. You know, every time you go to the loo, can you use a, 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 a hand gel and savour the scent of it or apply that hand balm after it? Hmm. It's, it's really simple stuff. Yeah, and so then I guess it becomes a habit, right? And I'm yeah. big on habits. If you haven't read Atomic Habits, please do. It's incredible. And um, yeah, I think habits is obviously something that takes practice just like anything else. So if you're here tonight or if you listen to this episode and you think, yes, okay, I'm down. I'm going to do more self-care this week. Maybe I'm going to book into that class. Maybe I'm going to switch off my phone, get the mindful money. Doing it once is great. You're going to feel good. But how can we make something a practice, a habit, and more importantly, what can we do to make a habit stick? We need to take a look at our current choices and ask, what are the effects of these? Is this serving me? At what cost do I keep making this choice? Okay, so that's bringing to the light what you are currently doing. Secondly, it's not enough to know what you want to do. So if you want to engage in a new habit, a new activity, that thing in itself won't motivate you. You've got to articulate why you're going to do it, okay? It's the purpose behind it. It's your why that will galvanise you into making the good choice more often, mm. okay? And then thirdly, I think when it comes to health and well-being, we tend to, when we get excited about it, we want to make 
grand, sweeping, elaborate changes that are very, very hard to sustain. And when you fall off the wagon, what happens? We feel bad about ourselves and it knocks our confidence and it diminishes our motivation. So rather than attempting to do the healthy eating, the, the movement, the mindset, the everything all, all at once, small incremental change. That is the way to make sustainable healthy habits that stick. Brilliant. Waves of change. Brilliant. Yeah? yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, give it up. Awesome. And Callie, do you have a morning routine? I know you said about your Sundays. And if you sometimes do, sometimes don't, how did you feel with, you know, you said traveling, you didn't have it. Yeah. Um, but now you're back. Yeah, what are the like kind of key points you like to hit so, in the morning? The one thing I, I thought there was a specific time, it feels a long time ago now when I did it, but um, this is why it's so good to talk about this. Because I think it, we often, I think I would be a fraud if I sat up here and was like, guys, every day I get up so early because I wish I was like you, but I'm not. I'm awful. Um, it's not awful. No, it's not, no, it's not, it's not awful, awful, but it's, it's in like, thing. it's in, I am a bit of a mess at two hours of my life. <laughs> it's fine. I embrace it because that's just my personality. But I think one thing that I actually learned, and it was kind of, this is where you kind of take this, um, you actually objectively look at how you feel and see. So there was a time when I did get up, it was getting up at half five. It was it was a fluke accident. I came back from Sri Lanka and I just couldn't sleep. So it was like, I didn't have a choice. I had to get up at half five. I probably wouldn't have, but I did. So I was getting up at half five and I had this whole time. First of all, I love how quiet it is that time of morning. Absolutely amazing. Um, and it was so peaceful and so relaxing. And I started doing this thing where I would get up in the morning and I would do it. Um, I hadn't got headspace. Let me use that app. My favorite app, because all the other ones have weird accents, but I really like the guys. That it's got, there's a woman on there now as well. They've got a different... My accent, sorry, my Welsh accent really come through then. Um, <laughs> but there's, I love the accent of the guy, and it's really relaxing. And I would put on like a meditation, do between five and ten minutes. Then I would have a shower, and then I would make myself a proper cooked breakfast. Because I think before I had a habit of either not having breakfast, which is fine, because you should always listen to your body. If you don't want it, don't have it. But I really enjoyed, like, I love cooking. So I got up, and I would, like, make eggs or baked eggs or kale and uh, halloumi. And just, like, really, like, enjoyed making breakfast. And afterwards, I had time to get ready. And just, and I was like, wow, this is loads of time. Do you see? Yeah. Come on. But then I just, it one Saturday then I just slept over in the morning and then it was over for me. But um, <laughs> I just, I do love doing that. And I still do implement the headspace. I just squeeze that in, whether it's morning or evening. I definitely do a headspace, especially with sleep, because I have a sleep disorder. So it really helps me get into the mind. But I think it's so important to remind people that, with these, like you said, with the so much information we have and then we're always doing this and we're so on all the time, not to punish ourselves for our personality traits that are, like, you know, some people are super organised, some people aren't. I think just kind of navigate and go with the flow of what feels good for you and, and find a way to kind of, even if it is just a tiny little thing, like, you know, watching us go... My thing is, like, I also go to my local coffee shop. It's like, I know I'm going to work if I go there. So it's like you need to get work done let's go to wood street that's where i do and i it's become a thing and I, I actually love that so even if you find find community and consistency wherever that is even if it means going to the same place every day and getting a coffee it's saying hello to somebody that you see every day it's nice that's it's nice. nice to have a community feel like you're part of something so yeah, yeah. i love that and also i want to just you know take it back because when you gestured towards me when you said some people are super organized are you not organized girl no 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 i mean when just I see you, you in the morning i like love it when i'm watching your insta stories and you're like running along like morning guys just so you run i'm like 
Oh my god. Why do you think I'm running? Yeah. I got stuff to do. I got stuff I to do. Yeah. No, I do love to be yeah. up and running and everything, but as you said, you were like, Oh, I'm awful. It's not awful. That's yeah, the no, point. I'm not. That's the thing. It's and the then, way we speak to ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, and with the fact that we will decide that like, oh, Adrienne's doing it at this time, so good for her. But actually, you know, that's what I'm trying to say to people about encouragement. It has to be that. It can't be do what I do, do what I yeah. say. Like, no, like yeah. maybe that doesn't work for you. And maybe sometimes it works for you, maybe sometimes you just shut up you know I think yeah. do it if it feels good and I hope that's why I try to encourage people because they tell me that they haven't tried it if they haven't tried it that's when I'm like, you're, like you said your the power hour could be like in the middle of the day or in the evening or yeah. in the morning like it hasn't I think we've got the morning thing is like I must admit I haven't done it I'm like oh there there is something to be said about it but it can be it can fit anywhere in your life mm-hmm. but the morning's best yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> my closing question on the show on the power hour show is all about the concept of time I'm going to ask you both essentially I believe that time is the most valuable thing that we all have and even though I say it every week it never gets diluted for me I truly truly believe it for lots of different reasons I think it's the most valuable thing that we can give to another person and if we could buy it it would be sold out across the world so I'll start with you Susie what is the most valuable thing that time has taught you go gently you know and I think about what I would say to my 20 something year old self there's time, it's okay. You don't have to nail it all right now. You don't have to, it will be okay. And I know that my future grey-haired self is saying that same thing to me right now. So just be kind, be tender. Take time. Lovely. Callie, what's the most valuable thing time has taught you? I think one thing that really sticks out to me is just how much time I've, I've lost actually from like hating myself. And I think I love my life so much now and I look at how, I could have been if I was like, if someone had been there to tell me that I was worthy or good and having the kind of right representation and um, like the right idols and icons to give me that advice. I wish I could go back and I can't. So now I'm using the time I've got to spread a really important message, which is that above everything, who you are is fine. You're perfect as you are. You don't need to constantly change. Change is important for everybody, but as said before, like when it all comes to an end, the important things in life are, you know, how you are, how kind you are, how good you are. And just to remember with the time that you've got to do something worthy and to do something that means something to you, whatever that means, whatever it is, whatever story, whatever job, passion, going to a dance class, you know, starting a movement, writing a book, just do something that means something to you because it's not it's not worth looking back at your life thinking you've lost 15 years of your life disliking yourself it's just not worth it and uh just yeah just love yourself that's all thank you Amazing. I'm going to actually have to wrap it up there. But if you do have more questions, then we're going to be around. I'm going to be around. And please, you know, come and let's carry on the conversation. But thank you so, so much for this evening. I've absolutely loved having both of you. Please, thank you to both of my amazing guests. And just thank you once more to all the brands that have contributed to the goodie bags. Please don't leave them. And thank you to Treatwell for having us. Thank you to Studio 71 for hosting and putting up with me and editing the wonderful Power Hour podcast. And yeah, that's it, guys. Thanks for listening, listeners. See ya.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 